Greetings and welcome to episode number 641 of Holy Crap It Sports for a Friday, February 9th of 2024. I know it's a cliche, but this year is just flying. I am your host, Pete Davis. What are we drinking today? Well, since the Super Bowl is this weekend, wanker weekend in Las Vegas, what do you usually drink in Vegas? I've never been there, which is amazing that I have never been to Vegas. But anyway, uh, a, a man who grew up reading Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. But anyway, uh, they drank probably Bloody Marys and Mimosas. Isn't that like the official drink out there? Or screwdrivers? I don't know. So whatever you feel like uh, this Sunday. Anything but Bud Light. Ugh. It was puke juice before and it's puke juice now. Anyway, lots to talk about today. Border, I have a star, and I'm talking a star-studied uh I don't know, maybe we should start this over since I'm not speaking English. Star-studded? What, what did I just say? Star-studded uh, podcast for you today. It's funny, I was watching something last night. Was I was watching Bosch on Amazon.com. It's a detective story out of uh, L.A. And uh, at one point, some one guy looks at this hot girl at a party and goes, Who's that? And the guy looks at her and goes, oh, I don't know. I hear she's got a podcast. And the guy goes, Who doesn't? <laughs> which made me laugh. But anyway, <clears throat> what are we going to talk about today? First of all, uh, always you can support the show by either going on Patreon.com or Venmo, but uh, you can do a couple ways. You could uh, purchase a T-shirt or whatever from Farmhouse Print Co., farmhouseprintingco.com out of Sonoya. That's farmhouseprintingco.com. And that's for my show, Kimmer's show, Shannon Burke's show, whatever. They do a great job, Eric and the gang out of Sonoya. You can purchase my book, which goes directly to me, The Totally Biased Guide to Southern College Football. It's always college football time. And that's available on Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle. And as always, uh, follow me on Twitter, Pete Davis one And write me at PeteDavis1 at Yahoo.com. And listen to The Kimmer Show Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. on Extra 106.3 FM. Get that app, though. You want to listen uh, on the app. It's the best, clearest way to do it. It's not the greatest signal, but changes are coming. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, hopefully this year. So the signal will be improving, but right now, in fact, for the rest of your life, it's digital radio is the, the secret. Uh, when they implant that chip in our brain, voluntarily or not, you can probably pick it up pretty clear. Anyway, so check it out there from Lilburn to Luxembourg. You can always listen to Extra 1063 and listen to the morning show as well. They do a great job. Tug, Los, and Rhino. All righty then. Let's get started. Here are your headlines. I'm going to actually gonna take a sip. Uh, let's see. It is 2.02 in the morning. So technically, it's too early or late for mimosas. That's a drink that you have, gosh, about three in the afternoon, right? Or brunch. But then again, so is a Bloody Mary. So I don't know. Let's just drink water and keep moving. Uh, here are some of the headlines. The countdown to spring training has gotten underway. Some of you have been counting since last uh, October. A Braves mainstay, though, has left the farm. And for what it's worth, the Athletic gives the Bravos offseason a C grade, which I think is a little low. A lot low. A couple of ex-Falcons are going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The rest of the players also going into Canton. I'll tell you about them. NFL awards handed out last night in Vegas. The Jets owner took that opportunity to go back Guano and his own team. The 49ers are not having a good time in Las Vegas so far. Did ESPN college football analyst Kirk Herbstreet help steer a five-star quarterback away from Georgia? Well, he calls Paul Feinbaum's show to talk about it and explain himself. Bo Jackson blackmailed by his own family? The MLB commissioner has screwed up again, and when is expansion coming to baseball? The SEC has doled out its annual revenue checks to the colleges, and you're not going to believe this, there's a conference that makes more money. Uh, more Mets dysfunction, more dumb questions during Super Bowl week, and a surprise appearance by the man formerly known as Prince, Harry. We got Pete's tweets this day in sports history, birthdays, uh, Ripley's, believe it or not. So let's get started. We are only 11 days away from the Braves' first full squad workout on February 20th. That's right. So gird your loins. Spring is just around the corner. And how'd you like to see Austin Riley, Spencer Strider, Max Fried, and et al. sue up for the good old USA? Well, MLB owners heard a presentation Wednesday outlining a plan to maybe let the major leaguers play for their countries in the 2028 Olympic Games in L.A. 
How's about that? I think are the next games. I'm trying to think of where are the next ones. Paris. That's right. Uh, this year they're in Paris. I don't think they're playing baseball in Paris this year. I'm not. I don't think they have any ballparks there. But anyway, uh, a happy belated birthday to the greatest Southern gentleman I've ever had the pleasure of knowing and working with in radio. Falcons great Jeff Van Note of the Roswell Van Notes. Noter belongs in the Hall of Fame, by the way, in Canton. And uh, he's had honors, but then he, you know, I think he's in the Kentucky Hall of Fame, Sports Hall of Fame and, as well. But you, if you ever get a chance to meet and talk to Jeff Van Note, he is just he is the epitome of the Southern gentleman and uh, just, just a hell of a man. Uh, former Falcons Devin Hester and Dwight Freeney have been selected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2024. Hester and Freeney spent three seasons with the Falcons, all toward the end of their career. That's how it usually works. Uh, Hester from 2014 to 15 and Freeney in 2016. Poor Hester got injured while he was here and uh, basically finished out, uh, signed a one-day contract with the Bears after finishing it with another team. Uh, but uh, didn't get a chance to do everything he did. But while he was here, he did a very good job. Drafted by Chicago in the second round in the 06 draft, he became a great kick returner, named to the NFL All-Rookie team that year, returning 47 punts for 600 yards, which is both NFL highs, and three touchdowns, along with 20 kickoffs for 500-plus yards and two touchdowns. Later that season in Super Bowl, I think it's, let's see, Super Bowl 41? Hester returned the opening kickoff 92 yards for a touchdown, the only time in Super Bowl history that has happened. I'd forgotten about that. Hester joined the uh, Birds and returned to punt 62 yards for his 20th career touchdown return, breaking the record for career non-offensive TDs, a record that was previously held by a fellow Falcons legend, Deion Sanders. Though Freeney only spent one season with the Birds, it was an important one as Atlanta won the NFC title and faced off against the Patriots in Super Bowl 51. We will now have a moment of silence. In fact... I'm going to take a big sip of the mimosa because of having to remember that. All right. Freeney was a first-round selection in the 0-2 draft. In his first year, selected to the NFL All-Rookie team, had 13 sacks, 20 tackles for a loss with the Colts, of course, not the Falcons. Freeney would go on to earn seven Pro Bowl selections, three AP first-team All-Pro honors, and play in three Super Bowls, winning one with the Colts. The defensive end outside linebacker finished his career with 125 and a half sacks, 148 quarterback hits, and 128 tackles for a loss. By his retirement in 2018, Freeney was credited with 47 career forced fumbles, which is tied for third all-time in the NFL. Hester and Freeney are going along with the rest of the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2024, enshrined in Canton, Ohio, as part of the enshrinement week in August, I think starting around August 3rd. Uh, by the way, the seven-member class will include those two, plus defensive end Julius Peppers. Man, he was great for the Panthers. Just just horrific in the backfield, <laughs> many a Falcons backfield. Uh, you also have uh, Patrick Willis, the linebacker out of Ole Miss. Uh, let's see, wide receiver Andre Johnson, our modern-era selections. And here's a couple guys that should have been in there years ago because when I was a kid, this guy – he was right up there with the dudes that played for the Cowboys. Uh, let's see, linebacker Randy Gratishaw. Remember him? Uh, let's see, played his last game in 1983. And defensive tackle Steve McMichael retired after the 94 season. Their senior finalist, and they'll be enshrined. Should have been in there long ago. Uh, many players had longer careers than Patrick Willis. Retired after eight short seasons because of a painful toe injury. Would not heal. But few have been more productive or had decorated years in such a short time. He was like Sandy Koufax, seven-time Pro Bowl selection in his eight seasons, as well as a five-time first-team All-Pro selection. That's dominance. Willis also elected to the uh, All-Decade team of the 2010s, led the league in tackles twice, had six 100-tackle seasons. And Randy Gratishar, the league's Defensive Player of the Year in 1978, a seven-time Pro Bowl selection, might have been the most decorated player in the Hall's senior pool. With Gratishar as the anchor in the middle of the fabled Orange Crush defense of Dan Reeves, the Broncos won the league's top 10 in rushing D, pass D, total D, scoring D, and interceptions during his career. How the heck is he not in Canton already? But anyway, so, and McMichael, a uh, longtime Bear, should have been in there. All right, let's get to some of the awards that went on. The awards banquet was last night. 
Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, no surprise, won the Associated Press NFL Most Valuable Player Award for a second time. He's 27 years old, the youngest two-time MVP since the merger back in the 60s of AFC, uh, AFL, NFL. He beat out Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes by just over nine months. <laughs> uh, Jackson was the landslide winner, got 49 of 50 first-place votes, fell one shy of another unanimous selection. For the 2019 season, Jackson joined Tom Brady as the only player to get all 50 first-place votes for MVP. Hmm. In fact, here he goes number one. Number two, Dak Prescott of the Cowboys. Then Christian McCaffrey of the 49ers. Brock Purdy of the Niners. Josh Allen of the Bills. And by the way, Bill, he's he says, look out next year because he is tired of not playing in the Super Bowl. He says this. he's tired of doing this bullshit meaning the stuff around the Super Bowl. Uh, Tyreek Hill of the Dolphins after that in the MVP voting, then Mahomes, Matthew Stafford of the Rams, C.J. Stroud of the Texans, and Miles Garrett of the Browns rounded out the voting. Jackson, who lost to Mahomes in Kansas City in the AFC Championship game, is the ninth player to win multiple MVP awards in the Super Bowl era, but the only one to not win a Super Bowl yet. The other players who have won more than one MVP since 67 are Peyton Manning, who has five, Aaron Rodgers, four. Tom Brady, three. Only three. Brett Favre, three. Mahomes, two. Joe Montana, two. And Steve Young, two. That's a good bar bet right there. That Brady only has three. Huh. Take a sip here. I'm looking around for my lucky ladybug in here. But I don't see her. I don't know what she's doing right now. Uh, Earlier Thursday night, running back McCaffrey became the first San Francisco player to win the AP Offensive Player of the Year since Jerry Rice did it back in 93. The Browns celebrated one of their most successful seasons since returning to the NFL 25 years ago. It's been a quarter century. They won four awards, the most by any team. The NFL's uh, Defensive Player of the Year went to defensive end Miles Garrett, the first Cleveland player to receive the honor. Garrett produced 14 sacks, 17 tackles for a loss, and four forced fumbles for the top-ranked defense in the NFL. The Browns' Kevin Stefanski somehow won NFL Coach of the Year. He edged out the Texans' D'Amico Ryans. That is a farce. Uh, Stefanski guided Cleveland to the postseason despite using five different starting QBs and beat out Ryans by one first-place vote. I don't care how many quarterbacks he used. Ryans took a rookie quarterback and a rookie uh uh, defensive player out of Alabama, Anderson, and basically took that team to almost beating the Ravens in Baltimore in the playoffs. They led in the first half. I- I'm sorry. What did the Browns do again? They fell up short at the end. Uh, the comeback player of the year, another surprise. Joe Flacco, quarterback of the Browns. He went from throwing to his family uh, to throwing for the Browns. Took him to their first playoff appearance since 2020. Okay, they made the postseason. Flacco edged the Bills' DeMar Hamlin, who seemed like a shoe-in for the award, by 11 points. Hamlin, of course, had cardiac arrest on January 2nd, 2023 in a game. He looked like a shoe-in, but nope. Uh, First-year Cleveland D.C. Jim Schwartz, named assistant coach of the year. They allowed the fewest yards per game, 270 in the league since 2014, and the fewest by the Brownies since 1957. Mm. Meanwhile, the Texans used two of the top three draft picks to become the fourth team in NFL history to sweep the AP's Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year awards as QB C.J. Stroud uh, led the league with 274 yards passing per game, became the first rookie to top the league in touchdown-interception ratio at 4.6. Defensive end Will Anderson Jr., just mentioned him, the number three pick, recorded seven sacks, the most ever by a Texans rookie. And the uh, most prestigious award, as they always say, NFL's Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, went to Steelers defensive tackle Cameron Hayward, Craig Ironhead Hayward's son, whose initiatives combat childhood hunger and support childhood literacy. So good for him. Good for him. Meanwhile, uh, New York Jets owner Woody uh, Johnson, what a name, Woody Johnson, took the opportunity of the award to attack his own team. He slammed his backup quarterback, Zach Wilson, I should say interim because he ain't going to be on the team next year, and turned up the heat on coach Robert Sella and general manager Joe Douglas uh, while he was being interviewed last night. Listed the team needs for the offseason when it was suggested a backup QB should be on the list. He said, yeah, you need a backup quarterback. We didn't have one last year. Wow. The team had Super Bowl aspirations. Of course, Aaron Rodgers getting hurt in the first... (laughs) Two or three plays didn't help that of the season. 
And someone asked Woody Johnson, why did it feel when he saw Aaron go down? He says, what does it feel like having your arm chopped off? That's about it. (laughs) Or his leg chopped off. Meanwhile, the Super Bowl looms this Sunday. And for the 49ers, it cannot come quick enough. After dealing with a bad field, a lot of uh, sodden turf or whatever they're called, it's real soft turf, uh, during practice this week, I think they're at UNLV's practice place, the team awakened early uh, one morning when some jagoff pulled the fire alarm at 6.03 a.m. Their alarm clock had been set for 6.10 a.m. And don't you hate it when you wake up just before you have to? Tight end George Kittle says he hid in the bathroom until the alarm stopped. Thank goodness the place wasn't on fire. And then, of course, I do the same thing. All the years I lived in an apartment building, I just went out in the balcony figuring, eh, it's three stories up, I'll hit that, uh, what do you call that thing that stretches out over a sidewalk that you see in the movies that breaks people's fall when they jump out of a building? What do you call that thing It's over the uh, door of somebody to keep you from getting rained on? I've completely forgotten what the name of that thing is. It's not a banister. It's a, I don't know. But anyway, I'm looking down at that for all those years I lived in the apartments. And I'm thinking, if I hit that, I probably won't just go right through it, right? I'll probably bounce off of it into the parking lot and break a, my head or something. Anyway, so Kittle head out in the bathroom. And then he says he went downstairs to breakfast to see who was the most pissed off about the alarm being pulled. And he says, to his no surprise, it was Christian McCaffrey and Joey Bosa. He says, they don't like their routines disturbed. Kittle says, you don't want to wake the Bears. Uh, Meanwhile, former Prince, or the man formerly known as Prince, Harry, gave a joke-filled speech at the NFL Awards just a day after returning from London after seeing his cancer-stricken father, King Charles. Harry did not mention the king which would be kind of a downer if he had. But, you know, they were talking about he was—he spent 45 minutes with his father, and then he flew all the way back to L.A. from London. And everyone was speculating, said, well, they kicked him out. William didn't want him there. But maybe he came back because he knew he had to be at the NFL Awards. Wow. Anyway, host Keegan-Michael Key, who was the host of the ceremony, joked that Taylor Swift went to more playoff games this year than Bill Belichick. Funny, but... Not overwhelmingly funny. He's a funny guy, though. So anyway, I'm going to take one more sip before we get into the college football here involving the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people are speculating that Kirk Herbstreit has stepped over the line recently in comments he's made about Florida State and other things, and uh, that he shows his bias sometimes. Well, did uh, Kirk Herbstreit, the ESPN college football analyst, tell a top-rated quarterback to transfer away from Georgia. Well, Spencer Davis of SaturdayDownSouth.com reported a couple days ago that Herbstreet was amongst the people who encouraged five-star quarterback Dylan Rayola to flip from Georgia to Nebraska, according to new comments from Rayola's own father. Dominic Rayola shared that intel in an interview with rivals Adam Gorney this week. Dominic, who also played for the Cornhuskers, detailed some of his conversation with Herbstreet. Quote, When he saw the smoke about Dylan entertaining Nebraska, he called me. He said, dude, is this true? He's got to do it, end quote. Now, on Thursday, yesterday, Herbstreet called the Paul Feinbaum show to clarify his comments. Quote, why would I tell anyone to leave Georgia? Like Georgia's now, as we have talked about for the last couple of years, has become the bar in the sport. I love Kirby Smart, and Kirby and I have a great relationship, so that's kind of silly that I would do that, end quote. So Herbstreet says, no, I talked to the dad, but it wasn't anything like he was just surprised he had heard the news. He was like, really, is this true? So I don't know. You can believe him or not. I tend to believe him on this. But, you know, if you're a Georgia fan, you're probably not too happy with them right now. Remember that when they come to Athens this year. That's all I'm saying. And we all know the family can sometimes be trying. But have you ever had a family member try to blackmail you? Much less two family members. <laughs> I mean, that's a little, that's Mets dysfunctional. Former baseball and football player and legend Bo Jackson, the Heisman Trophy winning running back, has won a $21 million verdict. He'll never see any of that money because I don't think these people have that kind of money. But anyway, uh, in a civil case against his niece and a nephew for trying to extort him. 
how how pathetic and low have you got to be to do that to your famous uncle just because he's got money? The decision includes a permanent protective order barring Thomas Lee Anderson and his sister, Eric M. Anderson Ross, from further bothering or contacting Jackson and his immediate family members. The Andersons, Mr. Anderson, also must stay at least 500 yards from the Jacksons. How do you measure that? How do you know what? I have no clue what 500 yards is. I know what 100 is, but I'm not good at distances and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, he has to remove any social media uh, content about them. The lawsuit was filed back in April or last year, alleged that Jackson's relatives tried to extort $20 million from him through harassment and intimidation. Unfortunately, for those attempting to extort $20 million from Jackson and his family, Bo still hits back hard, his attorneys said. That's a good line. Jackson's now 61 years old, claimed the harassment started back in 2022 and included threatening social media posts and messages, public allegations that put him in a false light, and public disclosure of private info intended to cause him severe emotional distress. Said Thomas Anderson wrote on Facebook that he would release photos, text, and medical records of Jackson to show America that he wasn't playing around, the lawsuit alleges. The Andersons, with help from an Atlanta attorney, demanded the money in exchange for ending their conduct. He said they threatened to appear at a restaurant near his home and disrupt a charity event. How low are these people? Allegedly. He hosted in April back at Auburn and as a means of harassment and intimidation at a charity event. The court found that there was no legitimate purpose for the actions and that even after receiving a cease and desist letter from Jackson's attorneys, the intimidation and harassment continued. Okay, not only if this is true that they're low class, they're stupid in my opinion. The court found that there was no legitimate purpose for the actions, as I said. Cobb County Superior Court Judge Jason D. Marbutt, we need Marbutt, uh, said in his order that neither the Andersons nor their attorneys rebutted Jackson's claims or participated in the case after a May 2023 hearing when they consented to a temporary protective order, according to reports. The judge found the Andersons to be in default, accepting as true all of Jackson's allegations. Bo played eight seasons in the majors with the Royals, White Sox, and Angels. He was the 1989 All-Star Game MVP. In addition to playing baseball, Jackson, a running back for the Raiders from 1987 to 90, making one pro bowl. I still remember when he got injured. Injured his hip, and it basically led to necrosis of the ball joint or whatever in his hip. And I remember when he went down, and he was laying there on the field, and they showed the slow-mo video not only did he go down, and what a behemoth he was, but the guy was on his back. So he was carrying not only his weight and running at full speed, but he was carrying the weight of a guy who just jumped on his back that was 200-plus pounds probably. And he went down, and all the weight of those two men went down on one hip. And he went down and didn't get up for a while, and I was thinking, that's not good. And they were kind of poo-poots, and it really was. And for some reason, it, it struck me that this is not a good injury. That all that weight on that one hip, he probably broke something in there. And it ended up he did. And it lost the blood supply to it or whatever. And, and of course, he got a, a, a replacement back in the day where, you know, now it's state of the art. Back then, not so much. And he still came back and played baseball for the White Sox. It's just amazing. What an athlete. Anyway, the SEC, Southeastern Conference, will distribute $741 million American dollars to its 14 member universities, that's about $51 million per school from the 2022-23 fiscal year, according to Commissioner Greg Sankey. The league says the total included $718 million distributed directly from the SEC office, another $23 million uh, from football bowl game expenses. By the way, this is a $19 million increase from the total distributed the year before. Still, though, they're not the most lucrative in college football, the Big Ten. Handed out more money this year. Hmm. Now the Big Ten's got the big... Of course, the SEC's about to up that. They're going to you know, get a new contract, TV contract and all that. And boy, how interesting it's going to be this coming year with all those teams in the Big Ten now. Uh, the, the Pac-12 teams. Still sad about the Pac-12 going away. Uh, baseball news. Does anyone have a backyard ballpark they're not using? Show of hands. Once again, MLB Interim Commissioner Rob Manfred has lost control of a situation. The A's lease with Oakland expires after this season, and nothing has been decided where they will play in 2025. The Athletics had hoped to have a ballpark built in Vegas by 2028, 
But that's now in doubt since the mayor in Vegas basically said, I don't want you here and you should stay in the Bay Area. She has since walked those comments back, but she's about as stupid as Manfred is. Uh, If the A's cannot play in Oakland uh, after this season, they may have to go to Salt Lake City or perish the thought Sacramento. If you've ever been to Sacramento in the summer, the average summertime temp is somewhere just below the interior of a McDonald's hot apple pie. Okay, the surface of Mars comes into play. Uh, The White Sox, meanwhile, have unveiled plans to possibly build a new park on the south side of Chicago. But if that falls through, if not enough aldermen are paid their bribes, the team owner met with Nashville reps during the winter meetings. (laughs) Yeah, still threatening Nashville. Of course, remember, the White Sox threatened to move to Tampa all those years and almost within came within hours of doing it before they got a new deal for their that ballpark. Now, remember that ballpark they built in the early 90s was the last boring ballpark to be built. And the next year, Baltimore came out, I think, with Camden Yards, Oriole Park at Camden Yards, which revolutionized how ballparks were built. I mean, everything since then has pretty much been done kind of like them. And the White Sox are looking around going, what, are, are you kidding me? We're stuck with this dinosaur now? And by the way, if you've ever been by it, it's I've driven by it. It's just an eyesore. They've tried to gussy it up, but it's only been around since the early 90s. Of course, Atlanta got rid of Turner Field, but the, that's, you know, if you ever went to Turner Field, it was a vast improvement, the former Olympic Stadium from Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, a vast improvement, but Truist Park is light years ahead of Turner Field. Just light years. And that's why everybody's uh, copying what the Braves did with the battery. Uh, basically by putting a village around it. Condos, restaurants, uh, apartments, uh, uh, hotels. I mean, nightclubs, bowling alleys. I didn't know they had a bowling alley till last week. I had no idea. They have an escape room there. It looks like a fun place to live. It's got a Waffle House across the street. In fact, right across the street, there's a place where you can pretend to go parachuting. Seriously, it's a tunnel that you jump into and you float. I'm, I'm actually seriously thinking about doing that one day. Let's see if I can talk Kimmer and Flounder and going over there and doing that. Probably not a good idea for heart patients. But anyway. Uh, okay. Uh, as for expansion, uh, Manfred says there will be no new teams playing within the next five years. His contract goes for five years. But expansion is coming. So at some point, either Nashville or Charlotte's getting a team, probably Nashville. Uh, I would imagine at some point either Salt Lake City, maybe Sacramento, if they build a dome, uh, may get one. I don't think Portland's going to get one. Portland's sliding into anarchy. I mean, there's no way in hell they should get one. But anyway, uh, NBA News, your Atlanta Hawks visit Philadelphia tonight for dinner. I suggest Alpen Rose on 13th Street, a cozy restaurant with a sophisticated ambiance specializing in classic steak dishes, and it has a fireplace. Meanwhile, the Hawks stayed quiet at the NBA trade deadline. I guess they're just happy with this uh, NBA Finals quality team they got now, right? I do like the fact they kept DeJounte Murray. I like DeJounte. So anyway, I kind of expected them to trade Trey Young, tell you the truth, but they didn't. So, and not that I wanted him traded. I'm just saying. Uh, You get a lot of stupid questions at the Super Bowl. And a sports reporter in Vegas did not disappoint. He asked 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy if Brock has noticed that he looks a lot like JFK, the former president's alleged assassin, Lee Harvey Oswald. Purdy said no. Meanwhile, somebody did a national contest to find a lookalike for Brock Purdy. And it turned out to be a young woman. She has received a free ticket to the Super Bowl. I think they're going to fly her there too. I saw a picture of her. I, I, I guess she kind of looks like him, but whatever. Meanwhile, baseball news. Former Mets manager Buck Showalter coming forward with some of the inner workings of the dysfunctional Mets family he had to deal with, especially when it came to management listening to the analytic crowd. I'm sorry, analytic crowd. Quote, this is from Buck Showalter. Quote, we had a guy that hit a triple and two doubles, and they, management, came in and said, well, he probably needs a day off because he ran too much around the bases yesterday. So what do you want me to tell him? Don't get any hits so you can play the next day? I didn't quite understand that one. I said, okay, you go out there and you tell Brandon Nimmo 
that he's not playing today because he did too well last night, end quote. Now do you see why the Mets do what the Mets do every year? Oh, boy. Not that I was against him firing Buck Showalter. I just don't think he's the, he's the manager that will get you over the hump. He gets you to the hump, as he has proven time and time in the past with teams, uh, Mankeys, Diamondbacks, and Orioles, but he doesn't get you over that hump. That's just my opinion. Uh, on this day, February 9th in sports history, William Morgan presents his new sport, Mentonet, to the world at Springfield College, Massachusetts. He later uh, renames Mentonet Volleyball. Isn't that weird? you got two sports, volleyball and basketball, comes out of the same little town in Massachusetts, Western. Beautiful. West, Berkshires are beautiful. That happened February 9th, 1895. All right. In 1900, Dwight Davis, no relation, establishes a new tennis trophy, the Davis Cup. In 1932, the USA enters the Olympic two-man bobsled competition for the first time. 1940, Joe Lewis beat Arturo Godoy in 15 rounds for the heavyweight boxing title. 1960, AFL and NFL agree verbally to a no-tampering pact. That lasted 11 minutes. 2003, the 52nd NBA All-Star Game in Phillips Arena, Atlanta. The West beat the East 155-145 to in double overtime. Remember when a score like that made everybody laugh? Oh, they didn't play defense. I think that's in the NBA every night now. Uh, the MVP was Kevin Garnett of the Timberwolves, a forward. 2006, Al Michaels joined NBC's Sunday Night Football alongside John Madden. John Madden. Where's Frank Caliendo when we need him? Birthdays on February 9th. Let's see. Birthdays, February 9th. 1887, Heine Zimmerman played for the Cubs and New York Giants in 1912. He batted 372 with 14 homers. Born in New York City, he died in 1969. In 1907, <laughs> oh God. Okay, I'm going to have to explain this one afterwards. This is right up there with the, the great first base coach, Stubby Clapp. In 1907, on this day, Dit Clapper was born. <laughs> I said Dit, D I T. What'd you think I say? Dit Clapper. <laughs> A Canadian ice hockey player. He's in the NHL Hall of Fame. Can't wait to see that bust. <laughs> Uh, played for the Bruins. Uh, born in Newmarket, Ontario. He died in 1978. Dick Clapper, ladies and gentlemen. Bill Vec was born on this date in 1914. Hall of Fame executive, owner of the White Sox and Indians. Won a World Series in 48 with Cleveland. Uh, also on the St. Louis Browns. Born in Chicago. What a man. What a man. Had a wooden leg and a great, uh, came up with the exploding scoreboard and all kinds of stuff. Midgets on the field. 1925, Vic Wirtz, ball player, born in York, Pennsylvania, died in 1983. And, of course, you know Vic Wirtz. He was a really a good power hitter. had been traded over to the Indians in 1954 and helped power them into uh, the World Series where they played the New York Giants, where Vic Wirtz had a drive in the polo grounds. Was it the polo grounds or in Cleveland he did? I think it's polo grounds. The Say Hey Kid Willie Mays chased it down, the catch, as it is called. The glove, which he later just gave to a kid, has been found and is put in the now in Cooperstown, the glove you can see with the catch that he made the catch with. But it was off Vic Wirtz's drive. 1937, a really wonderful man. And one of the one of the four guys that I, I think there were three third basemen I patterned my game around. I wanted to play third base and did because I had quick reflexes. I didn't have a strong arm in Little League, but by golly, I had quick reflexes. Nothing got past me. Uh, there were three guys that really stood out. Brooks Robinson, of course. Cleet Boyer when he played for the Braves, and then Daryl Evans after him. Now, Daryl wasn't quite the fielder of the first two. Nobody was, frankly. But uh, Cleet Boyer played uh, baseball for 1955-71 to 71 for the Yankees, Braves, and another team. Born in Cassville, Missouri, died in 2007. Of course, his brother was the great Ken Boyer, another infielder. But I uh, met Cleet and his son up in Cooperstown. Walked into a trading card shop, and there he was, signing cards. And he got talk to him him and his son lived out uh, around lithonia uh, part of the year and he couldn't have been a better gentleman and it just it was a pleasure meeting him uh 1952 and of course he died in 2007 i met him in 2001 i believe or was maybe the year before or the year after uh 1952 danny white quarterback dallas cowboys screw you danny white 
Danny White was the quarterback in the post-Roger Stallback era. We finally thought as Falcons fans, we finally can get over the hump of beating Stallback and the Cowboys by no longer having to face Roger Stallback. So Danny White, the punter, became the quarterback. And the Falcons were playing in Atlanta Fulton County Stadium in a playoff game and led the entire game until the fourth quarter when Danny White led the comeback. I think he threw a pass to Drew Pearson or somebody. My father and uncle were at the game. I remember sitting on the couch out in the Stone Mountain with and watched the game with my mother. And I was folding towels as I watched the Falcons lose again to the Cowboys in the playoffs. And uh, we waited for Dad and my uncle to get home. And my first thing in my mouth was, what happened? And they didn't want to talk about it. They were not happy. Uh, 1952, Mookie Wilson was born. All right. You know what he did. 1958, Sandy Lyle, Scottish golfer, uh, won the British Open in 85. The Masters in 88, born in Shrewsbury, England. Uh, they bury shrews there, hence the name. 1961, John Crook. Uh, they say utility man. He was a first baseman outfielder. An all-star in 91, 92, and 93 for the Phillies, born in Charleston, West Virginia. I seem to remember him when he first came up. He was with the Padres, and they stupidly traded him. Uh, 1969, Jeff Pahukoa, an NFL guard and tackle with the Falcons. 1971, Jim Miller was born, quarterback with the Steelers and Falcons and Jaguars. Not a bad quarterback, if I remember. Good backup. 1976, Vladimir Guerrero, senior. Dominican Baseball Hall of Fame right fielder and DH, nine-time All-Star, American League MVP in 2004, eight-time Silver Slugger Award for the Expos and the Angels, born in Nizao, Dominican Republic. Of course, his uh, son now playing for the Blue Jays. I think he just signed another contract. Anyway, unfortunately, we have some dead people on this day, February 9th, and I will raise a toast to them of the Bloody Mary. I've switched from the Mimosa to the Bloody Mary. Dead people on this day, 1875, we lost Cecil DeVere. You're going, who the blank is Cecil DeVere? Not Cecil, because he's British, Cecil. The first official British chess champion in 1866. He died at the age of 28. So, of course, and I think I've talked about this guy in the past, but in case you forgot, I looked him up again. Because when you die at 28 as a chess champion, you got to wonder, it's not like he was a daredevil on a motorcycle somewhere, you know? It's not like he was being Ron Gant on the dirt bike. Just kidding, Ron. Uh, he was born Valentine John Cecil DeVere Matthews in 1846. Likely, he was the illegitimate, we like to say bastard son, of William Cecil DeVere, a naval officer and son of the second baronet of Carrah, which is in Ireland. His mother was Catherine Matthews, a Welsh-born household servant. So he was stooping the maid. Uh, he, he played chess effortlessly and elegantly, they say, without recourse to chess study or theory. He just started playing. Known for his meteoric rise to fame and equally dramatic decline. Why? What happened? Because his great natural talent for the game was attended by an equal indolence for work. <laughs> In other words, he was lazy. Cecil DeVere contracted tuberculosis around 1867 and later became dependent on alcohol. And you know those chess players, they're, you know, roaring drunks in the pubs. He lived in London for most of his life, but was sent to Torquay on the, on the channel. I think Torquay's on the channel. Uh, by his chess friends in 1874 in a vain hope of recuperation, it did not work. And he passed away. 1987, we lost Larry French, baseball pitcher, was an all-star in 1940, played for the Pirates, Cubs, and Brooklyn Dodgers, dead at the age of 79. 1994, and they give him one line here. Bud Wilkinson, college football coach, Oklahoma, died at 77. That's all they gave him. Meanwhile, right after it, Hank Bauer, who was a you know small-time player for the Yankees, gets a whole write-up here. But Bud Wilkinson was one of the one of the pillars. At one point, if you did a Mount Rushmore, which is so tiresome, but if you did a Mount Rushmore of college football head coaches, at one time, Bud Wilkinson's on there. I don't know if he still isn't. His team won 50 games in a row once, which was the record for the longest time. Didn't the Hurricanes break that? Uh, it, it, he was almost unstoppable in the 1950s. By the way, Oklahoma won more games than anybody in the 50s, more than Notre Dame, more than anybody. Guess who was number two? This is a great bar bet. Who won 
the most games in college football in the 1950s. They might know Oklahoma. Because most people will pick Notre Dame. But it's Oklahoma. Who's number two? Ole Miss. That will win you a lot of money. Anyway, Bud Wilkinson, one of the great coaches of all time, later tried out with the St. Well, didn't try out, but became a head coach with the St. Louis Cardinals of the NFL. Did not work. He was a little old at that time. But Bud Wilkinson, a hell of a college football coach, one of the greatest ever. Meanwhile, Hank Bauer died on this day in 2007. Uh, infielder, he managed uh, as well. That's not a word. He, well, I guess it is. He managed, uh, let's see, he was an eight-time World Series champion with the Yankees, and I think he managed the Orioles. I think he was there right before he led him to the 66 World Series win, a sweep of the Dodgers, but uh, he was replaced by Earl Weaver. Uh, he died of lung cancer, Hank did, at age 84. Ed Sabol died in 2015, American filmmaker. You know him from NFL Films. Uh, died at the age of 98. Of course, his son Steve, I think, has also passed away. 2022, Jeremy Giambi, a player from 1998 to 2003 with the Royals and Athletics and two other teams, took his own life. He was just 47 years old. Uh, marriages on this day, 1989, NBA power forward Charles Barkley was 26 years old when he married legal aide and model, some people say, Maureen Bloomhart in Elkton, Maryland. And I looked it up, and you say what you want about Charles Barkley, he's still married to the same woman. They have a wonderful family, and he's still married to her, so good for Sir Charles. All right, time for Pete's Tweets. Pete's Tweets. Pete's Tweets. All right. Uh, okay. Brooks Gate, who last week, I told you about this, put together, he's got a lot of time on his hands, put together a list of how far a Chili's restaurant is from every major league ballpark. And we discovered, I was trying to think, who was number one? I can't remember who was number one, but I remember who was last. If you left a Mariners game in Seattle and you wanted a Chili's meal, you had to drive 240-something miles. Okay. Well, this week, Brooks has put together ranking the MLB teams based on their distance to the nearest Waffle House. <laughs> Guess who's number one? Yeah, the Braves. Truest Park. You are literally 0.48 miles. It's across the street from the battery. If you take your life in your hands and you try and walk across Cobb Parkway, you're talking about evil Knievel, you can go to Waffle House. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Next up, the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, 0.9 miles. And then you have the Rangers in uh, Texas. Globe Life Field is 1.3 miles. So, and as usual, I like to see where the poor New Yorkers have to go, how far they have to go to a, a Waffle House. Mets fans, only 75 miles, 76 really. And Yankee fans, 76 miles to get to a, the nearest Waffle House. And I've told this story before. When I lived in San Diego for three years, there's no Waffle Houses. At the time, there's none west of Texas. Now there's a few, I think, in New Mexico, maybe in, even in Arizona. But my dad and I were driving back from San Diego. I hadn't seen a Waffle House in three years. And outside of Dallas, we saw the sign. And I made him pull over. And I had my first pecan waffle in three years. And it was heaven. Heaven. Okay. Uh, who's last? Once again, Seattle. If you're hungry for scattered, smothered, and covered coming out of an M's game, you have to drive, get this, 983 miles to the, to the nearest Waffle House. Uh, before that, San Francisco, 639 miles. And Oakland, 629 miles. Mm. Dodger Stadium is 341 miles. Good grief. All right, what else we got here? Paul Feinbaum had a great question on Twitter this week. He said, who was the best high school football player you ever saw? And Buck Blue of uh, 6A The Fan wrote, Stan Rome. Uh, and he said, VHS Wildcats. I imagine, I guess that's Valdosta High, of course. Stan Rome. So someone he may have played against or played for or watched since then, since he's from South Georgia. And I thought, gosh, the one that stood out for me is one that played when my sister was going to Southwest Cab, And I, I went to Southwest Cab for three years. And I don't know if he was still playing there or he had left already for Tennessee to go play for the Volunteers. His name, he's a running back named Gregory Graves. 
and he was one of the few, if not only, African-American student at Southwest DeKalb, played for Dewey Alverson, and he took, I remember, uh, they went to the playoffs, mainly because of him, and they played somewhere up here in North Georgia, I forget who they played, I remember listening on a scratchy radio to the game, or listening to the score of the game, and finding out that we had lost, the Panthers had lost, unfortunately. By the way, I'm a triple Panther. Southwest DeKalb, Parkview, and Georgia State. What's up with that? Anyway, uh, broken up for just a little bit of Aztec at San Diego State when I just hung out in some of the classes. But anyway, never technically went to San Diego State, but I was there in the classes. But anyway, uh, and Gregory Graves was his name, and he was a big, strong running back. And he played for the Volunteers, and then I lost track of him. I tried to look him up, and the best I got was that he played for the Volunteers at one point, but I don't know what happened to him after that. I, we really had big hopes for him that he was going to be a big-time NFL player, but I, I don't know what happened after Tennessee. But uh, Gregory Graves, the best high school player I ever saw. Uh, Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South has tweeted the most AP Top 25 fish, AP top five finishes in the 21st century. Uh, the top 10 is a tie. Number 10, you got uh, Miami and Florida with four. Number nine, number nine, LSU with five. And then you have a tie at number six with Clemson, Oregon, and Texas with six. Tie at fourth between Georgia and Southern Cal with eight uh, top five finishes in the 21st century. Number three, uh, the Sooners with nine. Number two, the Crimson Tide with 12. And number one, Buckeyes with 15. Hmm. Uh, by the way, today is uh, National Pizza Day. And, you know, there's always that argument, which to me is a stupid argument, between New York style and Chicago style. What's America's favorite? It's very simple, folks. New York style being thin crust, Chicago style being deep dish. As comedian John Stewart says, that's not a pizza, it's a casserole. <laughs> but they're both delicious. But you eat the thin crust. And by the way, there's, a pl- there's one called Bertolunis or Bertolucci's or something like that. Frozen pizza you can get at the grocery store. Bertol something. They have a thin cr- ult- a ultimate supreme thin crust and a chicken fettuccine Alfredo that that is incredibly good. It's, it's the best frozen pizza I've ever had. And I try and buy, I, usually Thursday night is pizza night here at the Davis household. But anyway, uh, you, you eat the thin-style New York style in the summer when it's hot. And you eat the Chicago style, the comfort food, in the cold of winter because it fills you up. It's comfort food. I mean, come on. In fact, you know, oh, my gosh, what an idea I just had. I am going to make one of my, my favorite comfort food of all time that my mother used to make when I was a kid. My favorite food of all time. She would make get that big can. Remember there's a big can of La Troy uh, beef chow mein? And it came with a little can on the bottom that was full of the meat and everything. And the big can was full of the noodles and stuff and water chestnuts. I love water chestnuts. But anyway, I would get that. I had it as an adult a few years ago. It's not as good as I remember as a kid. You know, comes out of a can. But anyway, that was back when you didn't have Chinese restaurants back in the 60s and 70s. You didn't have Chinese restaurants on every corner. Not here in the South. You do now. And by the 70s, you did. Late 70s, you did. But anyway, so you bought Chinese food in the can. But you always had Hamburger Helper. And they take this away and bring it back every few years just to mess with me. But it's called the uh, Potato Stroganoff, where you have these little chips of hard hockey puck dense-like potatoes that you have to like marinate for over an hour in the skillet to get them soft enough that you can actually bite through. It's a consistency uh, of titanium cardboard, I think. But there's something about it. The, the, the sauce and the meat and you ground up the, and the, the sauce, whatever they use, the spices. And you put that in the big skillet and cook it. And then you sprinkle a little whole kernel corn in there, too, for a little sweetness. And what you do is you get a bowl and you put a loaf, not a loaf, well, just, just a, a slice of bread at the bottom. And then you dump all the potato stroganoff hamburger helper on top of it so it soaks into the bread. So you have a little treat at the end of it. And to me, that is such a winter comfort food. And I am making, I hope it's cold on Sunday for the Super Bowl so I can hole up here in the mountain home and not go anywhere and make me just a big skillet that 
It's all for me. I don't have to share it with the family. The whole thing is for me. And I can just sit there and eat that while watching the Super Bowl. And the great thing about watching Super Bowl, and I usually end up doing it by myself, and I don't mind it because I get to fast forward and slow it and stop it to go to the bathroom when I want. There's nobody talking over it, so I miss an important play or important uh, commercial. I can do whatever I want. I can sit there in my underwear and scratch if I want. I don't have to dress up or take a shower and go somewhere. I don't have to entertain, and it's just great. I highly recommend it. <laughs> but anyway, it's also fun to go to parties and go to gatherings and watch a Super Bowl, too. I mean, it's both good. But anyway, that's what I'm going to do, by golly. I'm going to make that that hamburger helper, and I always buy it. When I see it, I hoard it because it's all every every few years they take it away for two or three years. So I hoard it. And, and people actually write me now and say, hey, it's over. It's at the Ingalls and Jasper. It's at the Kroger and Sandy Springs. You know, and I go and I buy six or seven boxes and I go, because they last forever. I don't know why. They always talked in Walking Dead. They walked around eating cans of uh, soup after 10 years expired. All they had to do was find a store with Hamburger Helper. I don't know where they get the beef. I guess I imagine there'd be plenty of cows walking around, right? Well, anyway. It's not like there's a lot of humans around to eat them. Do the zombies eat the cows? I can't remember. But anyway, uh, the favorite pizza in the winter, it's Chicago style. In the summer, it's New York. But there's a third group coming. Detroit, which was it Marco's or Little Caesars that came out with the Detroit style or Pizza Hut. I think it's Pizza Hut. And they came out with the Detroit style, which is a square pizza, rectangular got a thick uh, thickness to it as well. Of course, it's a cold weather like Chicago. I have not had the Detroit. Uh, I, I know a friend who's from there, and she likes it. Hmm, I may have to try it. Anyway, uh, in case you missed it yesterday, they've since changed it, not because I said anything, because they changed it before I said anything yesterday on the Kiver Show. I flicked on AtlantaFalcons.com, which is a very good website, by the way. You get a lot of information, very well written and uh, taken care of. And there was seven, I mean, seven glossy photos of new coach Raheem Morris. A lot of posing going on. A lot of PR machinery going on behind him to get everybody behind him. And good, I hope he wins. But but even the Falcons realize this isn't exactly lighting up the season ticket sales, is it? Maybe it is. I don't know. But they're doing a hell of a spin job on this guy because he's a one-and-a-half-time loser so far. Full-time coach, then interim coach, and he failed at both of them. But I hope he wins. I'm behind him 110% if he wins. But anyway, I counted seven photos of him, and it was hysterical. Some of the photos. He, getting off a plane, sitting at a conference table, sitting at a conference table uh, by himself, looking pensive but optimistic, staring out of a plane window, holding up a jersey with his name on it. And uh, one of my favorites was adjusting his power red tie as he looks off camera, smiling at the merriment going on to the side and off camera. That was my favorite. So before I made fun of it on the camera show, they had started taking some of those <laughs> photos down. But it's still funny to go on there and look. But congrats, congratulations to him. Hopefully he does well. All right. Da, 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 da. What else here? Okay. Tour Golf posted on uh, Twitter. Wow, Jordan Spieth did not hold back in today's press conference. Uh, Mike the Engineer sent this to me, by the way. When asked about how sports books are allowing bettors to bet on LIV golf, Spieth said, quote, Yeah, I saw that. You also can bet on the WNBA, but that doesn't mean you're going to watch it. End quote. Oh, God. Expect a full-throated apology forced by his sponsors in three, two, one. Because you know the Wokies out there, the AwfulAnnouncing.com, the Bro Bibles, the Dan Labatards, the Deadspin, which I hope gets sued out of business soon, go the way of Gawker, uh, they're all going to be screaming about what a misogynist, what a woman hater he is. Yeah, this spoiled golfer hating women. By the way, Deadspin's being uh, sued by that family of the, uh, was a 10-year-old Chiefs fan who he wore uh, Chiefs colors on his face, paint of red and black, and they only showed the black side saying he was, uh, wasn't Bomani Jones in on this too, saying that he was a racist? If it wasn't Bomani, it was somebody else, and apologies if it wasn't. But uh, a lot of people out there in the woke uh, liberal sports media world, and it's most of them, 
uh, basically calling the kid a racist, Deadspin being one of them. I hope they get sued out of existence. Anyway, um, sad news here. The White Sox have signed um, right-handed pitcher Jesse Chavez to a minor league contract. And Blooper, the Braves mascot, tweets, I have two options. Be a sad boy, B-O-I, that Uncle Jesse is gone. Or look forward to his inevitable return and a crazy transaction that gets us crazy return value. I'm going with the first until I get the second. <laughs> How many times? It's been at least twice that the Braves have traded him away or let him go and then he comes back and helps him win the division or something. Oh, what else we get here? Okay, that's it at Pete's tweet. So let's go back to Ripley's Believe It or Not. All right. Vernie Miller, quarterback for St. Mary's College in Winona, Minnesota, uh, made nine touchdowns in 20 minutes. Uh, the game was St. Mary versus Dubuque in 1929. I don't know if that's a record. Ernie never scored a lot of touchdowns once, too, didn't he? In the Pac-12. Can't remember how many he did. All right. Now what are we doing? Oh, we're going back again to uh, this date in baseball history. Excuse me. That uh, mm, fettuccine Alfredo's barking. Oh, boy. Boy, have you noticed how much chicken Alfredo or fettuccine, how expensive it is nowadays when you go to a restaurant? It really is expensive. And I had leftovers, so I ate it twice. Which means I didn't regurgitate it. I, ate it. I had leftovers. So I got two meals out of it. Basically, uh, that meal each time cost me $18. Of course, I tip well. I tip well. Plus, she was stacked. So, Anyway, this day in baseball history, February 9th. I'm no Jordan Spieth. I love women. 1916, the National League voted down a proposal by the New York Giants, the Boston Braves, and the Cubs to increase the club player limit from 21 to 22. The Reds wanted to decrease it to 20. They were cheap bastards even then. 1920, the Joint Rules Cam, Joint Rules Committee banned foreign substances and alterations to baseballs. 1942, uh, the Phillies changed their nickname to the Phils temporarily. 1943, NL uh, seeks a buyer for the Phillies <laughs> the very next year as owner Gary Nugent falls in arrears. Sounds painful. 1946, while coaching a Hardy High School Alaska basketball team, Alaska, Pirates hurler Preacher Rowe suffered a fractured skull. He hit the floor during an altercation with a referee. The 29-year-old lefty will report a month late to spring training, suffering from headaches and dizzy spells. He goes 3-8 and eight with a 5.14 earned run average before calling it quits for the season in August. I once fell down. The only time I've ever been tripped in my life was on a basketball court. When I was about uh, 10 years old, one minute I'm walking, running up the court. Next minute I'm laying face first on the court. <laughs> I've told that story before. I won't tell it again. It involves uh, seeing my parts of my skull and a trip to the emergency room. But I didn't get knocked out. I was just tripped. And almost sending my dad to the emergency room when he saw part of my skull. But anyway, 1951, St. Louis Browns signed pitcher Satchel Page. He was 45 years old. There's a great photo of him sitting in a rocking chair, and they hired a nurse to stand by him in the bullpen. 1971, uh, Satchel became the first Negro League star to the Hall of Fame. The right-hander, the oldest player in the majors to make his big league debut, may, became the legend uh, he lasted from the 1920s until 1965, played in several different Negro League leagues with the Indians, Brown, and A's. And I think at the end there, the Braves actually signed him to a contract so he could get his pension. Uh, 1976, the Hall of Fame Special Committee on the Negro League selected Oscar Charleston, considered by baseball historian Bill James to be the fourth best ball player of all time. The outfielder made the sporting news list of 100 greatest baseball players, Nominated as a finalist for the Major League Baseball All-Century Team in 1999. And I don't even know if there's any film of him. 1980, the Athletic Hall of Fame of Kent State University posthumously inducts Thurman Munson, the Yankees' all-star backstop, died in a plane crash last August of 1979. Hal Schoonover, the Golden Flashes baseball program coach, converted the young college outfielder into a catcher. 2006, a jury deliberating for more than four hours ruled that the Angels did not breach a contract with the city of Anaheim when the ball club changed its name. Thirteen months ago, the team known as the Anaheim Angels became the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Idiots. 
prompting the city where it plays to file a lawsuit, claiming the name change amounted to at least $100 million in lost revenue. Okay, I know they were the L.A. Rangels when they started out as an expansion club, but to me, they will always be the California Angels of Andy Messersmith. I'm sorry. Uh, thanks to Saturday Down South, ESPN, on this day, a national pastime, as well as others that I've mentioned, uh, helping me out with today. Let's go to Twitter and see what we have here. Uh, let's see. Uh, good grief. Every time I hit the thing, it refreshes. Of course, that's what the button's for, Pete. Let's see. But I want to stop for a second so I can start looking at it. And that, 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 uh, boy, that Annie Agar is good to look at. Follow her on Twitter. Uh, let's see. It's a lot of talk about the NFL awards last night, basically, is what's going on Twitter. Ooh, there's Paige Spiranak again. Okay. ML football has now made freezing cold takes. You don't want to make freezing cold takes. C.J. Stroud will not be a very good NFL quarterback. Doubt he will make it through the season as a starter at Houston. Houston will regret taking him over Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson. <laughs> now, usually these people are saying they should have taken Bryce Young. I was not one of those. I was, everybody, I was telling everybody, you better take C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young. For once, I turned out to be right. Oh, okay. Adam Schefter, the first-time eligibles for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, class of 2025. Okay, these are those who could be voted in next year. Eli Manning. Yes. I don't know if he'll get in first try, but I think he belongs in. And because I'm an Ole Miss fan. Plus, he deserves. Luke Keekley, Possibly. Adam Vinatieri. Yes. Terrell Suggs. Probably. Yeah, I guess he's getting. Marshall Yonda. Marshawn Lynch. Probably. Earl Thomas, Joe Staley, Demarius Thomas. Of course, you know, the former Georgia Tech Broncos star who died uh, tragically. Uh, he might get in. Akib Talib, Vernon Davis, Darren Sproles, and Cameron Wake. Okay, I think Eli, definitely, Vinatieri, Suggs, and Lynch are probably locks. Uh, what else we got here? playing. Oh my God! The Oakland mayor is, is uh, okay. Once again, this this chick and this these chick mayors, man, everywhere you see them everywhere. They're they're all getting caught with their either their hands in the cookie jar, taking public funds for their own beauty parlors and and four thousand dollar rooms at the Four Seasons in Atlanta when you're a small time Illinois or Indiana mayor. Um, and when they get caught, they start screaming racism, and and they they either caught their hands in a cookie jar are, are doing the help. <laughs> and every time they're caught, they go up into a pulpit somewhere and scream, you can't touch me. But anyway, the Oakland mayor, who looks like she's a you know woman of color, uh, basically, once again, has repeated, she doesn't want the A's in, o in uh, Las Vegas. Wait a minute. I got that wrong. She's the Oakland mayor. Man, she says, maybe John Fisher's Las Vegas plan isn't viable for the A's. Okay. All right, I take back everything I just said. All right. <laughs> but but there is a Czech mayor of Vegas, and she's the one running her mouth that she doesn't want the A's. So, anyway. But seriously, there's a, there's a story we're going to talk about today. This little bitty town in Indiana or Illinois where this, this, this uh, Czech mayor basically has spent thousands of dollars on, on hotel rooms across the country. And when they said something to her about it, she attacked the uh, the city alderman of the city council, which is also black, saying, how dare you attack me? I'm a black female mayor, and you're black. How dare you do this to me? It's like, what does that matter? Either you're stealing the money from the people or you're not. And then they show her at beauty parlors. They, she, she said she had business in Atlanta at the Four Seasons for days and rang up a $13,000 bill at some hotel. For this little bitty town that people's average median income is around 20K a year. And she gets herself elected and she goes batshit crazy with the money, allegedly. I just think these things are funny. But so basically, you have a chick mayor in Oakland having a war awards with the chick mayor of Vegas. And the poor A's are caught in the middle of it. It's just ineptitude sometimes. 
Uh, Atlanta Braves, the Braves are proud to celebrate the women in our office on National Girls and Women in Sports Day. I think it was a couple days ago. Good for them. And uh, uh, let's see. That looks to be... That looks to be it for that. So let's go over to ESPN, see if we missed a headline. All righty then. No, I don't think. It looks like Mike Zimmer will be named the Cowboys' new defensive coordinator. And that's it. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Stay safe. If you're drinking, stay where you are. Don't get in a car and drive or take an Uber or let somebody else drive you. I heard a comedian this week saying when we were young, we always had a designated driver. Of course, back in our day, that meant that was the, the guy who <clears throat> would take the chance. <laughs> okay, that's not, it shouldn't be funny. It's not funny. But anyway, <clears throat> it is funny. Um, that was kind of the way it was back in the 70s and 80s. You know, Who's, le- who's the most sober? And unfortunately, it, 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 well, it was usually me as the driver, not because I was the most sober, but because I was the only one who, who had any semblance of driving straight while I was drunk. And I, I'm known to this day as the best drunk driver my friends ever saw. But that's nothing to be proud about. Believe me. My luck, I just, I just didn't. I don't think I deserve that luck. Anyway, uh, so stay safe, uh, Super Bowl. Go Chiefs. I do not want the 49ers to win. <clears throat> I don't want Kyle Shanahan to win. I want him to keep blowing Super Bowls like he did when he was the OC of the Falcons, like he did with the, when he was with the 49ers head coach. He blew a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so have a good time. Get your bets in. All the prop bets we're going to be talking about today on the camera show, the Taylor Swift prop bets, if I remember to get them. And um, hope you make some money this weekend, man. And remember, uh, Braves uh, pitchers and catchers report very soon. And after that, the rest of the players, spring is around the corner. Hey, like I said, I like the cold, but if it ain't going to snow, it's time for the cold to, to go away. I know it means snakes and it means insects, but uh, I'd like to sit out on the front porch every once in a while. It'd be nice when you have a front porch and a swing that you can sit out there and swing on it without freezing your bohonies off. Anyway, have a good one. <clears throat> Drink up, Shriners. All right, I'll leave you with a joke I told in the camera show today, which is I went out to dinner last night and I discovered something. I really like waitresses because they really bring a lot to the table. All right, that was a repeat joke. Is there another one I can find on here for you? Hold on a second. Da, 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 da. Repeat joke. Pete's tweets. Let's see. Chris says the lady at Publix asked him why he didn't like the self-checkout. He told her, I've already worked 10 hours today. Why couldn't y'all do this back in the 90s when I was buying condoms and rolling papers? Remember that? When you had to go in there and you had to walk up to the pharmacist and ask them to come out from behind the desk and go open up the case to get you condoms. Oh, that was embarrassing. Or the little old lady at the checkout would eye you as you were buying them. I never bought rolling papers. I was never a smoker, except for a pipe, but... So I never had to do the rolling paper thing, but the condom thing, God, that was embarrassing. Now they're hidden behind the counter or locked up because, you know, people steal them and get away with it. Anyway, have a good one. Say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie.